Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Now let's check out today's message. Ten years. Ten years, guys. Can you imagine? Look at this. You started out with a handful of people. And look at the room right now. Can you imagine what God's going to do in the next ten years? Amazing. Amazing, amazing. The one thing God cannot do is fail. It's fail. So I'm so excited for what he's doing here. And pastor said that uh, we've adopted him. Well, Maria and I, we're old now, so you're going to have to adopt us as we come move down here when we retire or something. But we love IHOT Church, Pastor Brandon, Pastor Melody. Amazing. Ten years. And uh, what I want to share with you today um, is to make sure that we go on for the next ten years until the Lord comes back. Pastor Melody was talking about new wineskins. God wants to pour new wine in new wineskins. Well, to have these new wineskins, there's something that I want to share with you that, I, that will be mandatory or fundamental for us to be those new wineskins for God to pour new wine in. But I want to open with this, Ezekiel 46.9. This is my prayer. Whoever enters by the north gate to worship is to go out the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate is to go out the north gate. No one is to return through the gate by which he entered. In other words, we have to leave here different than the way we came in. Amen? 1967, I graduated high school. I went to 12 years of parochial high school. Eight years, I had the Sisters of Mercy that knew no mercy. Four years of high school, I had the Christian brothers that were not very Christian. So in 67, when I graduated high school, and I, we weren't in a co-ed school, it was either male or female, um, some of the ladies decided to have a graduation party at a house, and I was invited. Now, I have to help you un- kind of get a picture, use your sanctified imagination. We don't really have too many trees in Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying? It's mostly concrete and blacktop. So when they invited me to this party, uh, it was two houses that are attached together. And uh, they have a stoop, which is steps, not a porch, a stoop. And uh, you walk up the stoop, and there's a door, and you go in the first door. And then on your left, there's usually a wall of bells with the family's name on it. And you ring that bell, and then that family will let you in the second door. Talk about security. And so I get through the second door. When I open up the second door, man, I smell something that was amazing. And as I'm walking through the hallway, the apartment was in the back. And so as I'm walking through the hallway to get to the back apartment, I open up the door, I knock, and I open up the door, and all of a sudden this heat hits me in the face, and this aroma now goes to a whole nother level. It smelled amazing. So I walk in, and I knew everybody there. We were all friends. And on one side of the room, they had a table set up with, you know, potato salad and chips and things like that, condiments, the plastic forks and knives and the paper plates. And on the stove, and it was a little four-burner stove, there was chicken, nice and brown. In fact, it was so beautiful, I took a picture. Let me show you. Look at that. Look at that. Nice, right? Nice. Little potatoes and some bay leaves. Another picture. I got you another picture. Look at that. Lemons and a little sage. Smelt great, looked great. I mean, you, you could see the onions curled up. You could see the garlic that was dark. The oil was sizzling. It was amazing. 
So I go over and I help myself to some of the condiments, and then I grab a drumstick. And uh, I make myself through the room, find a place to sit down, balancing the plate on my lap. And I get the plastic fork and knife, and I go to dig into the drumstick, but the fork and knife wouldn't go in. It like kind of bent. So I'm thinking, that's just cheap plastic. So I pick up the drumstick, and uh, 17, I didn't really care what I looked like. I pick up the drumstick, and I go to bite into it, and my lips can feel the heat from the drumstick. I can almost taste the onions and the garlic, but I couldn't penetrate the skin. And I got these buck teeth, so I kind of pull back the skin, and I'm looking at the meat, and I'm realizing it's not cooked. Look, 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 look at that, look at that. Yeah. Nasty, nasty, nasty. Now, you got one more? Yeah, oh, oh. Horrible, nasty. It left, I felt like I was drinking gasoline. It left such a taste in my mouth. Guys, that was 50 years ago. I still have a problem with chicken. I do. When someone hands me chicken, I go in slow. I don't go right in, I just go in slow. Just checking it out to make sure it's cooked through and through. And it left a bad taste in my mouth. So why am I saying this? Well, I want to make sure that we're not half-baked. I want to make sure that we're fully cooked over for God. Because when we're half-baked, we can leave a bad taste in someone's mouth that maybe doesn't know the Lord yet. We can leave a nasty thought in their mind saying, well, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. God, in the Bible, Hosea 7, 8, it says this, Ephraim, which is another name for Israel, Ephraim is a flat cake not turned over. Another translation, New Century, like a pancake cooked only on one side. Message translation, Ephraim is half-baked. Now, in those days, Ephraim was the northern part of Israel, and um, they were at a great, a great place, a great time. They had prosperity. They're an agricultural society. I know you know that. pastor teaches us that. And they had crops, and the rains came, and everything was going good. There was commerce. They had all their religious services. They had uh, their temple. They had the priests. They had uh, the, the Torah to read. Um, they were encouraged. They had songs. Remember, David, King David was, was, was an artist. He was a, a, a writer and a musician, and he introduced uh, new instruments into the worship. Before him, there wasn't these kind of instruments, and he introduced them. He brought up choirs. He brought up singers. He changed worship. And, and so Hosea, in Hosea's day, they were all appreciating that. They had the reading of the Psalms. They had their teachers. They had their leaders. They even had phrases like we do today, like amen, praise God, hallelujah. They said those things. So it was a godly atmosphere. And um, I was thinking about that. It's similar to what we have today. We have leaders. We have singers. Musicians and singers this morning were great, were amazing. Um, we, we have those things. We have the scriptures. We read them. We have people to teach them. Um, but the Israelites, even though they had so much going for them, most of their worship was north of the neck. It wasn't, wasn't real. They had, they had traditions, uh, and they, they had formulas, they had decor, they had styles, but there was no passion. There was no depth. It was almost like when Paul wrote to Timothy and said, they have an appearance of godliness, but no power. They had religion, but it was robotic. It was mechanical. They wanted happiness, but not holiness. They wanted God to change their negative circumstances, 
but they didn't want God to change their lives. They wanted God to forgive them of their sins, but they really didn't want repentance. They didn't want to turn from the things that were unpleasing to God. Basically, they just wanted a quick fix. And so they would go to the temple or they go to the synagogue and feel good about themselves for a few moments, and then they would just go back to their old life. Their, their, their life was half-baked, and God wanted to show them that. So he raises up Hosea to give them uh, a metaphor, a picture of what spiritually they were like. And in those days, when they wanted bread, what they would do is they would build a fire, most likely, and they would put these flat rocks around the side of it. And then they would get flour and water, and if they had an egg or salt or some other spice, that's fine. But they would get flour and, uh, flour and water, and they would make like a patty, and then they would stick it on the side of the flat rock. Wait a few moments, look underneath when it's brown, then they would flip it over, wait a few moments, pull it off the rock, and now they had bread. Now, if they only cooked on one side, it was half-baked, but it wouldn't be any good. It had the potential to be good, like the chicken. Everything in there was to be good, but it was only half-baked. When, when, when they had the potential to do all the things God wanted them to do, because they weren't full-on for God, they really couldn't be used by God. And uh, that was what God was trying to show them. He got a lot of religious things going, but um, it's just one side. And um, when bread is only cooked on one side, regardless of how much attention you gave it, it's useless. It, it can't be used. And even though all the ingredients were there, it's really a waste. And uh, it's possible, possible, probably not down here, but up in New York, it's possible that we could be like the Israelites. And we can have the potential for so many great things that God wants to do in our lives, but um, we're really not turned over completely to God. We got buildings, we got songs, we got teaching, we got a lot of great things going for us, but I might be half-baked in my disciplines, my spiritual disciplines. Maybe I'm half-baked in my prayer life, or reading my scriptures, or maybe serving, and... Uh, God does want to use me, but um, he can't. I mean, the potential is there. I got my Bible. I have my church. I have the Holy Spirit. But if I'm not totally turned over to God, I'm preventing God from using my life the way he wants to. And um, if God wants to use our church, our testimonies, I mean, all those pictures of 10 years, amazing it has to be totally given over to God. Otherwise, God can't really do what he wants to do. Not perfect. Not per Nobody's perfect but Jesus, but completely turned over. Um, and I need to make sure that I'm not half-baked in my words, how I treat my wife, how I treat my children, how when no one's looking around, when I'm at the gym, when I'm driving my car, on Instagram, TikTok, whatever else I might be on, I, I have to be full on for God, not half-baked. Otherwise, how God's going to use me. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the scriptures that says God came to seek and save that which is lost. I think many of you heard our testimony when Maria was here uh, in Luke where it says that he came to seek and save that which is lost, Luke 19. I love that because in 75, 1975, Maria and I were living together. We were doing drugs. We were immoral, just reckless lives at a club med when some of our former druggie friends prayed for us and Maria felt we need to go to church when we came back. I didn't want to go, but I did. I 
didn't want to lose Maria either, so I went to church. And it was that Sunday night, 1975 in September, that we gave our hearts to the Lord 47 years ago. I love that. I love that passage. I, I love when the, when the Bible says that God uh, wants to give us an abundant life. John 10.10. 10. I love that. But in order to receive those things, I have to recognize Jesus as Lord, and I need a life submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I can't be half-baked. I love that there are all these promises. Someone took account and said around 7,000 promises are available to us. Well, in order for me to benefit from those promises, I have to be given over to God. It's, you know, it tells us in Luke, the 6th chapter, 46th verse, the Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And whenever Jesus says, Lord, Lord, or verily, verily, or truly, truly, he's putting an emphasis on the verse. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In fact, Jesus cautions his hearers, don't just listen to my words and walk away. You need to apply them. You need to make sure that uh, they're making an impact in your life. Otherwise, when he goes on to explain the Sermon on the Mount, if you hear my words and you don't put them into practice, you're a foolish person. And when trouble comes, you're going to collapse. You're going to fall apart. If I'm half-baked like that chicken back in 1967, I'm not going to really benefit from the things of God. And this is just not New Testament. This is Old and New Testament. This is Scripture. And remember, all Scripture was written to teach us, right? Ezekiel 33, God speaking to Ezekiel, verse 31. It says, my people come to you as they usually do. And that's what I usually do. Come to church on Sunday. Come to prayer meeting on Wednesday. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for un unjust gain. Indeed, to them... You are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words but do not put them into practice. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man or a foolish woman. And somewhere we're going to end up collapsing. One more time from Jesus' half-brother, writing to Christians, writing to Christians. James 1, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So when I come to church and I hear pastor talking and he, he mentions certain things that at the moment I'm feeling like, you know what, yeah, that's, that, that's right at me and that, that's directed right to me, even though I never told him anything. But I leave here, I walk through those doors and I don't apply what he said. I've been deceived. In church, I got deceived. Why? Because I won't apply what I'm hearing. I'm a hearer, but I'm not a doer. And... Um, I talked with the fellas last night. I'm singing again to all of us today. I can't wait till we all hear on that glorious day, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus will not say half done, half baked. Has to be well done all the way. And I believe, I believe here and as in Saints Church up in New York, we want to be that church that we see in Acts. 242, I mean, just people getting saved and dedicated and committed to the teaching of the apostles and the breaking of bread and fellowship and prayer, so much so that it leaks out of our building out into the streets and people are getting saved, like it happened in Acts 2. But again, there has to be that understanding that I have to be under his lordship. You know, the Bible speaks about Lord 
in the book of Acts more than Savior. 92 times Lordship is mentioned in the book of Acts. 70, 747 times in the New Testament. More than Savior. Now, I'm not dismissing the Savior part, but I want to put an emphasis on the Lordship. The Apostle Paul writing to a church that he planted, 1 Corinthians 7.35, he writes this, that we may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. In other words, un, ha, not half-baked, full-on for God, turned over completely for Jesus, at home, at work, in the gym, when no one's watching. You know, sometimes pastoring all these years, you hear a lot of great stories, but you also hear some more stories. And I remember when a young girl came up to me and says, you know, my, my dad in church you know, he's really great. He's one of the deacons, and he tells everybody, God bless you, and how are you? But at home, he doesn't use those words. He uses other words. I had one husband tell me that my wife has church clothes, but then she has office clothes. And it's a double standard. And, and are they saved? Well, they're Christians. They're just half-baked. 1 Corinthians 16, 15 says of the household of Stephanus, they were devoted. Actually, some translation has they were addicted. Now, that, that has a bad connotation in our day today, but it means they were driven. They were totally given over to God. The household of Stephanus was devoted wholeheartedly to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, we can be an act and talk one way here, but what makes a difference is when we go out there and how we behave and how we act and how we talk, how we even serve the ministry. You know, you could love the work of the Lord and not really obey the, the Lord of the work. How we act in ministry. <laughs> I'm going to tell you another story. True. Wouldn't lie in church. I uh, went to a pastor's conference in the city, and it was glorious. It really was. It started somewhere around 11 and boiled over to about 2 and I knew a number of the guys that were there, and it was great. It was great. I mean, I left there. I was pumped. I, I, I was going to save Red China. I was, you know, I was, I was just really, really hyped about all that went on, feeling good. And um, I, I leave, and I go out. This is in Brooklyn. And uh, I walk up the block to find my car. And I get there where I thought I parked my car, and it's not there. So I went a little further thinking, you know, I just was probably intoxicated from the Holy Ghost, and so I really don't remember where. So I, I go up a little further up the block, and now I said, no, wait a minute, I didn't cross the street. This is, my car's not there. So I walk back down again thinking I just must have missed it. And then I, it dawns on me something like, that never happens in New York. My car was stolen. And... Um, I walk to the corner, back to the corner, and I'm just thinking, and it's starting to drizzle now. And the little bit of hair that I have is starting to fall down on my head, and, and I lost the anointing. You know the anointing that I felt in the pastor's meeting? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's evaporated. So I'm standing there waiting, not knowing what to do. Uh, call a cab. I'm supposed to go back to our church. We're having prayer meeting that night. And a pastor... She happens to drive by in a car. One of the pastors were at that at the, uh, with the pastor's meeting. And he beeps his horn. He rolls down his window. He says, Pastor Jerry, so you okay? And he says, yeah, I'm okay. He goes, well, what's wrong? I said, well, my car got stolen. He said, all right, well, get in, and I'll take you to the precinct that's right around the block. I said, all right. So I get in the car with him. We go to the precinct. 
I go up. He, he sit, waits outside. I go into the, in the precinct, and uh, there's an officer sitting behind the desk. And he says, can I help you? I says, yeah, I want to report my car stolen. He says, fine, I got to give you a form. You can fill it out. But by the way, where was it? I says, well, it was just out, the, out down the block, around the corner on the other side of the street. So the officer said, down the block, around the corner on the other side of the street? I said, yeah. He goes, that's not our district. <laughs> wet hair, wet clothes, stolen car. I mean, you get in the picture? And, and I'm not going to argue with him. He has a gun. So I'm just, you know, it's just... I said, no, but it's down the block, around the corner, on the other side of the street. He says, I know, sir, that's not our district. You have to go to this other precinct and explain where it was. And it was all the way down this block, just on the other side of Brooklyn. And so I'm a little disappointed. I get out. My friend's waiting there. And I tell him what happened. He goes, well, come on, I'll drive you. Don't you hate it when somebody's more like Christ than you? You know, <laughs> you know like, stop being so nice. I'm really angry. I just lost my car. I'm soaking wet. I'm supposed to go to a prayer meeting tonight that I'm supposed to leave, and I'm not in the best place. But I get in the car, and we go, and it took about 15 minutes. But now it's around 3-ish, and the shifts start to change. There's a lot of traffic. <clears throat> and I pull up in front of this precinct, and it was really an older, old house that they turned into a, a, a precinct. And I go in there, and I go up to the desk, and I tell the officer I need to report my car stolen. He says, fine, fill out this form and go over to that table, to that desk, where Officer Andrew is, and she'll take care of you. Now, this wasn't really even a desk. It was like a card table folded out, and Officer Andrew was sitting behind there, and there's all kinds of papers and these binders on her desk, and she was looking down. So I, uh, I get in front of her, and I'm standing there waiting for her to recognize me, right? And she's not looking up. She's just writing. So I kind of... Shift my weight. Yeah. That's, that's going to get her attention. But it doesn't work. So I figured I'd give her the old up and down look, you know? Still nothing. Still writing. So I did the next best thing. <clears throat> All of a sudden, she yells out, I see you. I said, oh, 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 I don't want you to see me. I don't want you to see me. Backed up, she's got a big gun, you know, I'm just wet and everything. I, no, no, I'm just going to wait until she's finished. She goes, what can I do for you? I said, well, my car stolen, and the officer told me that I'm supposed to come over here and fill out a form. So she hands me a clipboard. She goes, here, fill this out, and don't ask me for a pen. I said, well, I won't. I'll write in blood. I won't ask you for anything, you know. <laughs> now, there was, a, there was a small entrance, and, and the desk was here. Uh, Officer Andrew's desk was here, and then behind me was this little wooden bench with a young girl handcuffed to one side, and she's all shriveled up, and she looks like she spent the night out in the streets, and she's crying, and I go to sit down to fill out this form, and she says, could you help me? I didn't know there was drugs in the house. My brother had drugs in the house. I didn't know, but they arrested me, and, and I'm saying, I, I, I don't even want my car anymore, you know, like, I, I, I'm just here trying to report it, and and, and I'm, I'm trying to talk to her, and all of a sudden I hear, Pastor Derso! And this strong Jamaican accent. And there's this handsome police officer standing there with his arms out like this, Pastor Derso, how are you, man? <laughs> and I get up, and I hug him. I didn't know him. I didn't care. I, <laughs> I needed some love. I needed someone to love me. True story. 
And uh, we pat each other on the back. And um, uh, he says, Pastor Durso, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I, I had to report my car, but, but I'm sorry, I don't really know you. Where, where do we know each other? Oh, you spoke at our men's meeting uh, last week. I was so impressed by the sermon. I said, well, thanks. I, I really appreciate it. He goes, well, who's taking care of you? And I said, well, the officer over there. Oh, Officer Andrew, don't worry. She sings in the choir. <laughs> now, some of the words she was using before, those adjectives, I really can't repeat. Uh, because she got angry and nervous about some of the people dropping things on her desk. Was she a Christian? Yeah. Did she sing in the choir? Probably. She was just half-baked. See, and that's what happens when we're half-baked. We act one way in one atmosphere and one way in another atmosphere, and it prevents God from, from using you. Maybe the musicians can come. If I'm half-baked in my marriage, how can my marriage be a testimony to the people that know us, to my family who's not saved. If I'm half-baked with my children, how hypocritical that must be for them, for me to come to church, lift my hands, praise God, and then act another way at home. If I'm half-baked at the job, how can I invite someone to one of our services? It just it doesn't work. Half-baked, it really can't be used. Um... Tony Evans says often, without him, we could do nothing. But without you, he won't. Without him, we could do nothing. But without you, he won't. Imagine if Noah only built half an ark. Imagine if Moses only walked halfway to Egypt. Imagine if Joshua only walked halfway around the wall. Imagine if David only sung his, swung his sling halfway imagine if Jesus only went halfway to Calvary half is not good enough it has to be all the way full on turned over completely to God and, and the Holy Spirit makes a difference you know the disciples they were kind of half baked when they were with Jesus right they were arguing about who was better they were impatient they fell asleep when they were supposed to be praying they wanted to call fire down to burn out the Samaritans but once the Holy Spirit came, in the book of Acts, they were turning their, their world upside down. I believe that's what God wants us to do here. To those that are watching online, to those uh, in prison, be full on for Jesus. Think about this in closing. When Jesus fed the 5,000 with those few loaves and a fish, what if those loaves were half-baked? couldn't have used them. It would have been a mess. That's why we have to be full on for God, completely. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. We love you and have a great day.